Well, what's up everybody? Welcome to another week of The Bible Boys. My name is James. And I'm Pip. And I'm excited about another week, another episode. Another premium episode for all our premium <laughs> subscribers who pay a monthly subscription mm. of free. Yes. Well, we could start a monthly subscription, just have some premium content. One dollar per month. One dollar a month. And then five dollars a month. Then fifty dollars a month. What would we give people for fifty dollars a month? I'm not sure if like any of our content I would feel good charging at this point. <laughs> There's nothing that's actually that quality that we could actually charge. Maybe um, a personal greeting from us every morning. Like a birthday party thing. Yeah. Like we will send you greetings. Or we will come to your birthday party. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to your birthday party. We'll do a live episode yeah. of the Marvel Boys. Some, some people party. have petting zoos. Some people have clowns. Some people have... The Marvel Boys. The Marvel Boys just sitting in the corner talking about <laughs> the Marvel. Oh, uh, that's great. I love it. How's your week been, Pip? My week has been good, James. Um, lots happening. Lots happening. Um, yesterday... Yes. We went to... Uh, into the city. Yes. Um, the the kind of ministry team, the kind of support team here at St. Paul's, went to the city on a bus. Mm. Uh, we went to this like, make-your-own-pizza place. It was like a staff, um, you know, celebration, end of an era kind of Christmas thing all rolled into one. You couldn't make it. I couldn't make it, unfortunately. But can I just say, before you keep going, yeah. one of the, the highlights of 2020, you know, this has been a year, right? One of the highlights has been... Yesterday, when I told Viv, oh, you know, Viv, I missed the staff social, she said, what was the social? And I said, well, the staff got on a bus, drove to the city, went to a pizza place where you make your own pizza, (laughs) and she said, isn't that a Seinfeld episode? (laughs) A pizza place where you make your own pie. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, that was so, such a, what a a wonderful moment of 2020. Viv has been Seinfelded. Oh, so good. That's right. Anyway, sorry, keep going. So how was it? It was was great. It was great. It was a lovely time. Made our own pizzas and like got to um, chuck around the dough. Yes. Did you wash your hands beforehand? I did, and during and after. Oh, very, very, very um, hygienic. What, what, uh, what flavor was your pizza? I, I put like everything: ham, pepperoni, mozzarella cheese, olives, sun-dried tomatoes, Mm. cherry tomatoes, chili flakes. No, no chili flakes. I like chili flakes. Bit of um, like basil or whatever. But um. I was asked to do entertainment on the bus, to cover entertainment for the bus Oh, really? And so I came up with a few... I did some stand-up on the bus. You had your microphone? Yeah. Oh, I had the the bus mic. How could I miss this? I had the bus mic. So I thought, because you missed it, and because none of our listeners were there, I've got just like... It's like six jokes. Let me just rattle them off. Listeners, this is all genuine, because I actually wasn't there. And so my reactions will be genuine. All right. Here we go. You ready for this? I'm ready. Alright, and I think I've told you this one before, but here's a story, okay, let me tell you a story that no Anglican minister would understand. Alright, no Anglican minister will understand this story. Alright, two guys are chatting after church. One says to the other, how'd you find the sermon? And the other guy says, great. (laughs) Wait, what? How'd you find the sermon? So you need to explain the joke the, for me? The joke is that no Anglican minister will understand it. And then it's like, a guy says, how'd you find the sermon? And he just says, great. No issues with it. 
I'm sorry, Pip, I don't get it. Okay. Because I'm an aggregate minister. You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh on the bus. Alright. Um. I'll skip that one about Sam. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Um, <laughs> I, I want to know what this means. So the, the joke is that it's it never happens in our, like, in... Oh, because they never say that the anger can... No, no, no one ever just so says, great. it was great. Yeah. There's always some complaint about the song. Oh, okay. There's always something wrong with it. Now I get it. Yeah. See? All right, sorry. See, listeners, I'm sorry. Maybe you got it, like... They might have... 40 seconds ago. Let us know. Um, yes. Alright, here's another one. An Anglican parishioner, right? Mm -hmm. They're stranded on a desert island. And an angel appears and grants him three wishes. So the first wish, he wishes for his Bible. Hmm. And the angel's like, that's good, that's a good wish. Here's a Bible, get reading. The second wish, he wishes for his minister to be there. Mm -hmm. So that he can like preach to him and explain the Bible to him. Yes. And when the minister gets them, he begs him. He says, use your third wish, please. Like, send a rescue plane, get us off the island. You know, this mm-hmm. is insane. So the angel says to him, what do you want for your third wish? And he says, can I have an outline to uh, <laughs> follow along? That's good. Uh, uh, that's a good one. Uh, I do feel like whenever... Like, because, you know, in COVID, we haven't had our printed outlines, but we haven't put it on the website. We've gotten some connect cards. Where's the outline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's spot Classic. on, spot on. Um, what about this one? Um, so over the weekend, okay, the connect card functionality on our website, it broke. Mm. And so, you know, Mike and Sam were talking. Mike was, was saying, I'm not sure how we went. You know, how did we go over the weekend? Because we, you know, the connect card's broken. And Sam said, well, I think we did pretty well because I got 270 emails that said, can't complain. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last one, last one, last one. And this one I took off, all of those I made up myself. Yeah. This one I took off the internet. All right, go. An Anglican minister decided to go to a silent monastery to escape the pressures of his parish. All right, so the rule in the monastery was you could only speak two words every five years. Okay, so after the first five years of silence, he went to his superior and he said, bad food. And the superior nodded and then the minister went back to his cell for another five years of contemplation. And at the end of 10 years, he came back and he said, hard bed. And the superior nodded and so he went back to his cell and after after the 15th year, five more years, this time he went back and he said, I quit. And the superior said, it's about time too, because all you've done is complain since the moment you got here. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, they're my jokes. So that's a little bit of... How'd some... you go? <laughs> oh, like, look. Were they, were they laughing? It was rapturous. Rapturous? Rapturous applause. Was Self there? Self was there. Yes. Was she sitting next to you? Well, because I had already tested out all these on her like multiple times. Oh, okay. In the lead up. So, so she had heard them. She was well aware of okay. of the jokes. But um, yeah, look, that's that's um, basically what's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. Yeah. What about you? What's What's been up in your world? Well... Um, one of the things I've been thinking about is, uh, what is, uh, so can you imagine a, a game called God or not? Uh, called God or not. Yes. Right. So basically what you do is you, you play some lines from something and you go, is this actually something that God could say 
or not. Oh, okay. So it's like something from the Bible. It's like, is this God? Or, or it could be a song lyric. Could uh, be so okay. think about Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up, right? Mm. So God or not, never gonna give you up. Mm. Never gonna let you down. Mm. Never gonna run around or desert you. Yes. <laughs> never gonna make you cry. Yeah, yeah. Never gonna say goodbye. It's like Revelation, kind of Matthew 28. That's right. Yeah. God or not, right? So, I mean, obviously it's... I mean, no, it's not God. But it could be God. It could be God. And God has probably said those things in various ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come with me if you want to live. God that, or not. That, I mean, it could be God. <laughs> That's right. So is your idea like you've got to guess if it's exactly from the Bible or if it's like a song? No. Or, so, or is it, it, so if God could say it? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't quite worked out the rules of this game mm-hmm. yet, but I think the basic idea is you put this quote out there mm. and you go, could God say this? Yes. But then where's the actual quote from? Yes. God or not? I'm just trying to think of one now. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> So we've got layers. <laughs> got layers. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. That's that's a but yeah, that's true. That's right. Harry Potter has come to Hogwarts. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, I'm Draco Malfoy. <laughs> okay, we've gone away like from the god. Like the yeah, god or not? That's what I've been thinking about. Hey, also last week something yes. happened. I wanted to talk to you about. Please. Um. Serious or amusing or like what should I? It's deadly serious. Deadly. Okay, go give it to me. So we were praying at our MPS training last week, and I was praying. I was doing the wrap up prayer. Yes. And halfway through the prayer, your phone started to ring. Yes. I could hear it, and I thought to myself, um, "What is the moral thing to do in this situation? Mm. Do I wrap up my prayer early? Do I rush the ending?" Mm. Because I know James needs to pick up his phone and take the call. Mm. Or do I purposely prolong the prayer as a message to you mm. that talking to God yes. is more important than That's your right. phone call? What would you do? If you're praying, you're about halfway through your prayer, mm. it's just a small group situation, and you hear someone's phone starting to ring and you can sense that they're going through it, what would you do? Would you wrap it up? That's interesting, because I think for me, I didn't feel like I had to pick it up. But my thing is like, well, I'm praying right now. I'm with a bunch of people. I didn't even check who it was because I'm, I'm, I'm on another phone call, a phone call with God, uh, a group phone call, a group conference call, actually. A FaceTime. Yes. A grace time. A grace time. <laughs> That's right. So I think in my mind, I, like, maybe this will a- affect my answer. But for me, it's like, well, we're praying right now. You know, you shouldn't mm. be checking your phone anyway. Yeah. So just do your prayer as you would have done it before. I like that. That's, that's sort of what I think. I see, I've been in situations yes. where someone else has been praying, my phone started ringing, yes. and I'll look at them, <laughs> just to see if they, I'll be like, hurry it up, you can, I know you can hear my phone, and yet you're not wrapping up the prayer, <laughs> you know? and, or sometimes what I'll do is I'll answer it, yeah. but I just won't talk, I'll just like, keep it there, mm. and so the other person will hear that we're mm. praying, and maybe they'll hold on and wait to the end, yes, you know? there you go. Anyway, that is some thoughts. That's, That's a, right. A conundrum. That's a thought. Um, I have one more thing I wanted to share that yep. happened. I found a wonderful fish and chips place. Mm. Now, the chips aren't the best chips I've ever had, but the fish is probably up there in the best fish of fish and chips I've had. Wow. It's at Newington. Um, in their Newington Armory? 
not Newington Armoury. Newington, they've got like this marketplace area. Okay. And there's this fish and chips place there, which is excellent. Cool. What's it called? Oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> Wait a second. Okay. Fish basket or something? Fish basket. Like, uh, let me find it, but yes. But I just wanted to say, because an ask, are you a fan of fish and chips? I do like fish and chips. It's not like, like if the thing is, if I go to a fish and chips shop, I will more likely get a burger and chips. That's the thing. Oh, yeah? You know? Because fish, easy to get wrong. Easy to mm. kind of spoil. Yes. A burger, beef burger, hard to mess up, to be honest. Yeah. So, but um, I'm it's surprised by that because it's so easy to get chips right and it's so hard to get fish right, but they've inverted it. That's right. Well, I think part of it is I just like a lot of chicken salt. Mm. So it's fresh, it was salted, but not enough chicken salt on the chips. It's called the Fishbowl Newington. Mm. Fishbowl Newington. Now, the this is one of those amazing resurrection stories, right? Mm. Because that's it's four stars on Google Maps. But the reason why is because it had a previous owner. And with the previous owner, it had very low reviews. But ever since the owner changed, it's gotten really good reviews. Ooh. Yes. So the, a bit of owner envy between the last person who's like mm, that could have been me yeah that's right that's right so you know it's I, the, the star rating it'll get up there as more and more people review in fact I haven't reviewed it but I will I'll give them are you a Google reviewer do you review I have two reviews <laughs> okay. Google what have you reviewed samples <laughs> I haven't reviewed yeah, samples okay. uh, are you a Google reviewer I I am yes oh man I but, gotta look but, at some of your reviews yeah but I, I review places that I haven't been to <laughs> and just like joke about like the name of it. Yeah, nice. Anyway. But for me, I've got two reviews. One is there's a friend of mine who uh, whose family works in currency conversion. They did a good like, service for me, so I gave them a positive review. Second one is because I moved earlier this year and these movers, they, um, it was not a good experience. So they, mm. I gave them uh, a one-star review and I explained why. And then they came back and replied. So get this, Pip. They came back and replied and said, "Oh, we're very sorry about your experience. Please, we did. Please email us. Uh, we'd like to do what we can." Which I had emailed them back, you know, when we moved because it wasn't good. Anyway, so then I was like, "All right, cool. Well, they responded to me now. This was only a month ago. I should have mm-hmm. said it on the Bible Boys." So I emailed. What did you them say back. in the review? Oh, do you remember? Yeah, I said, you know, slow. Well warm, friendly service, just kept us calm the whole time. However, damaged property, knocked in a light switch, uh, and also peed on our bathroom floor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. This is our new new place. Viv and I go into the bathroom and Viv's like, Uh, James, did you pee in here? And I'm like, no. It's like, there's... Pee all over the floor. <laughs> That's so strange. I know. Surely, like... Oh, man. Anyway, so I, I put all this there. And also, I had said... And I said, I'd also specifically requested a tax invoice, and they didn't give me one. So I said, for all these reasons, uh, and the fact that they never responded to my emails, I have I can't recommend their services. Mm. Even though I felt like, in and of itself, they were friendly. Mm. So anyway, I put that there. They reply, please email us. We'd like to address your issues. I said, okay, cool. Well, I emailed them. And then I got a reply in less than six hours. Sorry, there's nothing we can do. And so I went back to the Google review and I edited my review. And I said, edit. After their reply below, 
I did email them, and this is their response, and I copy-pasted that email again. Wow, and I put it wow. Into the so it was like a thread, a review thread. That's hardcore. Very short. But to be fair, like, bathroom etiquette 101. Don't if, pee on the floor. Don't pee on the floor. And if you do, tell me. I mean, yeah. or, I'd rather no, you tell I me mean, and apologize for it. Just don't even, you don't even need to tell. Just deal with it. Just wipe it up. That's Get a good point, actually. Paper, That's you know? right. Have you ever... <laughs> Have you ever peed on someone's floor and left it and and like <laughs> cleaned it up? Okay, I feel like it was <laughs> premium content at the Bible point. Yeah, we'll we'll save it for premium content. We don't need to. No, nah, well, I I that I've 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 always cleaned up after a bathroom experience. That's yeah. what needs to be said. Yeah. Thank you, mm. thank you, loyal listeners, for coming on this journey with us. It's it's been it's a wonderful little story there, but um. But I'm gonna check out some of your Google reviews. Yeah, yeah, I did. I gave a very long poetic review of the Winston Hills Hotel. Oh, there you go. And I I kind of said, um, in just in your spare time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I said something like, if I had a dollar for every good time I've had here, I would reinvest that money in having more good times <laughs> here. <laughs> there you go. Um, fish and chips, Newington. Check it out sometime. Will do. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been reading in the Bible lately, Pip? Because we are the Bible boys. We are the Bible boys, after all. Well, one thing I have noticed... Yes. And I just want to bring this up, you know, because I've been looking at marriage and singleness in preparation for um, a salt talk, yes. a youth group talk coming up. Paul, single. Mm-hmm. Peter, married. Mm-hmm. Do you think that contributed to the fact that Peter... Wrote less than Paul. <laughs> um, please explain. <laughs> Do you think Peter was sitting there, you know, getting ready to sit down, write, smash out some letters, and maybe his wife was there? And was like, you know, Peter, like, could you do, you know, the dishes, the dishes need to be done. Possible. The garbage, once again, is garbage night and been done out. And Peter's just in there. He's, he's about to crack into a letter, and he's like, "You know what? I've made my. I've got to honour my wife. I'll do that. The letters can wait." Oh. Whereas Paul, he was he was single. He was able to just free flowing anytime he wanted. Writing just, letters. Whoop. Whoop. <laughs> do you, is that how he went writing yeah. the letters in the New Testament? <laughs> do you reckon that's why Paul was more prolific than Peter because he just had more time on his hands? Um. Because when you think about it, Peter really wrote, like, what, two things, right? One and two, Peter. Well, Mark was, you know, probably the gospel that he had a role in playing, uh, writing as well. He probably had, he said, Mark, can you come over so I can dictate while I'm doing the dishes? Yeah. (laughs) Probably doing the dishes, like, yeah, look. And that's why, which is the shortest gospel? (laughs) That's true, actually. Yeah. You know what, Mark? I mean, I've got a lot sure. of thoughts about Jesus, but can we just let, let's just get the main things down, and we'll come back to it later. <laughs> <laughs> is that possible? Do you think? I think it's possible. It is. I, I don't think it's the reason why. But it's it less written. It is interesting because when you get to, when you get to Acts, you think of Peter's speech. The guy can talk. Like it's not like he's short of words, right? Mm. And yet, not. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's great. That's a thought. No, but um, I think the real reason, yeah, is because Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, 
And what he needed to do was he needed to write a huge amount and spread it out and share it out. Um, whereas Peter's ministry would have been more concentrated mm. around Jerusalem, possibly. But even with his one Peter and two Peter, he had shared with the elect exiles throughout the, in the dispersion. Like, so he does send it out as well. Yeah. So anyway, I think that might be part of the reason. But I mean, my, I mean, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Just on that, I do find it really interesting because, like, just on the fact that Peter was married. If you look at Luke chapter five, Luke chapter four, Luke chapter four. So Luke chapter four, verse thirty-eight. Jesus left the synagogue, went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. So, get this, right? Mm. Simon, who, you know, Peter, has a mother-in-law in Luke chapter 4, heals her. Luke chapter 5, there's this, Jesus is walking around and then gets into the boat of Simon and the other fishermen and says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. And haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. It's interesting because when I first sort of like remember this passage here, I was like, oh, this is the first time Jesus ever interacted with them. Mm. But actually, back in chapter four, he healed Simon's mother-in-law. Yeah, there you go. So he had a previous interaction with him already. So he would come in and out and interact with the, some of the disciples. There you go. See, I've never noticed that because I used to think, um, yeah, I used to think think the same thing this was like the calling of peter but i guess he's already got some kind of relationship with him that's interesting yeah there you go and it's interesting like yeah i mean verse 38 of chapter 4 he went to the home of simon yes and simon's mother-in-law was there and so kind of is this the like the family unit idea of like this time you'd have someone would be looking after their parents and maybe their wife's parents all in the same place like a I, I don't know what like the you know because now our families are kind of divided mm. into immediate families but back then mm. was it more common for like larger families to kind of dwell together mm, that's a good question i'm not completely sure although in um a roman culture so i don't know if this you know in this jewish culture here but in a more roman culture like a household would be pretty big right it'd be not just you know, man, woman, kids, it would be like other relatives, it would be household slaves, it would be, mm. you know, all these different, it's like you could have a whole entourage of people mm. in a home back then. Yeah. But yeah. Kind of like um, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory with everyone in the bed. <laughs> right, Grandpa, Grandma. Yeah. Grandpa, Grandma. Peter comes That's home right. and... <laughs> That's right. But, you know, like with, with Peter, I do wonder, like, because he travelled with, with Jesus all around... When did he see his wife? When did he see his mother-in-law? You know, and yeah. And then I, I think there is something to what you're saying as well in that his ministry would not have come at the expense, of, well, presumably not at the expense of his relationship with his, with his family. And so there are other concerns that he has in life. But where does Peter say, we've left family, we've left this and that to follow you? Um, Luke 6, no, Luke 18. No, it is Luke 16. No, it is Luke 18. Never mind. <laughs> Luke 18, oh, cool. sorry. Um, he said, verse 28, Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Mm. Then Jesus said, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Peter does say we have left all we had to follow you. 
Hmm. Yeah. Because he's and then Jesus says, Truly I say, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So yeah. I wonder I wonder That's interesting. Yeah. I I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But good observation. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Um, another Bible thought. Yeah, if, please. If you're game. I'm game. I've got one serious one and one funny one. All right, let's go funny one first. Funny one first. Go for it. Here it is. Noah's Ark, the animals, male and female. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being like a third wheel in like a f- friendship group of bears or something? <laughs> like you're the male bear and the female bear. And then their friend. <laughs> and they're like, so... Not sure if you've heard of this whole Noah's Ark situation, but, um, so they're taking two of each animal. Now, I'm fine if you guys want to go and, what's that? Yeah, you guys want to go? Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, I I understand. (laughs) Can you imagine, um, like that third one sneaking on board? Like it'd be really, really so easy. Like you're going, you're down the deck in Noah's Ark. You're looking at two geese, two sheep, two cows, three bears. Wait a second. They're like double takes and he's like, come on guys. Come on, I can be a deck hand. (laughs) Throw them over the edge. Like we don't need the extra weight. Technically we're slightly different species. Oh, that's great. Oh, there you go. All right, serious one. And, and the serious one is, is um, so I put up a video on the Bible Boys YouTube and Insta. Yes. Which was this review of this book, Evangelism by Max Stiles, mm. which I brought. Yes, yes. And yeah, basically the book gives a beautiful picture of what church could be like if everyone was on board with evangelism and everyone was equipped and doing evangelism. Yeah. I made the point in the video, I'm not totally convinced the vibe I get from the New Testament is that everyone is going on the kind of offense and telling their friends and family about Jesus, speaking, like articulating some kind of gospel schema to them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, But rather the main method of the church growing was this attractional method of the the Christian community doing acts of love, good deeds, generosity, um, maybe speaking truths about God, truths about Jesus, but it was the, the apostles and the evangelists, uh, like the Ephesians, for kind of the teachers, mm. apostles, the evangelists, who were doing the front line, the main work of articulating the gospel in, in more of a rigorous way mm. to persuade masses of people to come mm. in. Um, so I think between two days ago and now, I've, I've kind of... I think I've, my, the pendulum swung one way and now it's coming back. And I'm, uh, I think it's important to have a balanced um, a balanced view of this. Yeah. Uh, I think it is important for every Christian to know the gospel and to be able to articulate the gospel as much as they possibly can. Mm. And yeah, naturally, you're going to want to share those words of eternal life with your family and friends. Mm. Um, but I would, say some, I would say sometimes we... Um, Put two, we, we maybe under-emphasize the importance of love, good deeds, generosity, living out the Christian life as a witness to people, to attract people into knowing who Jesus is. Um, that's kind of all I'd say. I guess, I mean, 
Yeah, do you have any, any kind of thoughts following up? Well, I just wanted to say that it takes a great humility to be able to put something out there and then go, yep, I've also changed my view now. And I think that you actually had that at the end of the video. It was, uh, you know, could be wrong, happy to chat, love to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, because we can't be dogmatic about things and say, oh yeah, you know, we're 100% right mm. on, on all of these things. Mm. We want to keep growing and learning. And we want to be... Part of being a Bible boy is letting the Bible be the thing that's most important, not our interpretation, not our individual sense of that we've got it all right. Yeah, so yeah. we're students of the Bible, and we hope that our listeners also are lifelong students of the Bible, mm. and you're seeking to keep growing. And so I just want to say that's really encouraging. Um, yeah, I think that you're right that there's a sense in which every Christian is called to be able to give a defense of why we have the hope we have in us. That's 1 Peter 3. I think 1 Peter 2, you know, we've been called to be a people who declare the praises of the one who has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Mm. everyone is actually called to be able to declare the praises. And in fact, I think evangelism in a real sense is an act of praise. Um, It's an act of praise and an act of prophecy. It's an act of praise because what you're really doing is you're speaking about the excellencies of God. God, in his love and kindness, has given us his son who has died and raised as Lord right now. Mm. He is Lord. He is worthy of your respect and honor and um, uh, allegiance. You know, mm. that's, that's an act of praise as well. If it's just a bare-bones statement of facts, then... You know, there's something deficient and lacking there. Mm. But also, it's an act of prophecy in the sense that this is God's word to the world now. And when we share the gospel with people, we're actually sharing the word of God, Jesus, who is the word himself, with people. Mm. So, yeah, we're called to praise. And then we also are people who now speak these words. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a good summary. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, there is perhaps, um, I think we can guilt people into it. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, one one of the things is like, I think churches are good at. I've I've been at churches where they create a sense of ought. You ought to go and share the gospel. Mm. It's your duty to go and share the gospel. Mm. Um, You even if you don't feel like it or want to, you need to force yourself into thinking, who are my three friends who I want to tell the gospel to this week. Mm. Um, Whereas, like, the sense I get is, it should flow out of a want to share the gospel. And so when people think, how can we help, how can we boost our church's activity in terms of evangelism? They think, why don't we put on a mission month or a mission day or, um, you know, have as our application in our sermons, go and tell people the gospel. Mm. But really, I think the main boost, like, you know, churches that are on fire evangelistically will be the churches that proclaim the gospel compellingly and sh- and really get across the love of Christ, really get across how good it is to be a Christian mm. and to be heaven bound. Yeah, you know. Well, that's also part of the that that's a really helpful way of putting it. And it's also part of what is helpful about seeing evangelism as praise. Because mm. how do you when do you praise something? Well, it's actually when you delight in it and see how awesome it is, and you want to share that with other yeah. people. Yeah. You don't see it yourself, and then you do this then it can seem like a chore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cool. There you go. Shall we move on? I mean, we've got some stuff from um, Instagram in terms of messages to 
talk. Do you have any kind of anything in the inbox, email inbox that came through this week? None from me. None from me. Okay. But please do share some stuff from the Instagram inbox. Listeners, you can follow us on the Bible boy, excuse me, Bible underscore boys on Instagram. And uh, you can also email us at the Bible boys with a Z at gmail.com. First thing is I, I put a poll out there. Yes. And I did an apostle face off. Yes. Who wins? Peter or Paul? And um, it looks like Paul wins. Paul is winning six votes to two. Six, six but votes. you put this up like an hour ago, didn't yeah, you? This but one. I mean, it's this. I mean, it's kind of like the election, isn't it? It's like <laughs> I'm calling it. To be honest, I'm calling it for Paul. <laughs> to be honest, Paul. That's great. And um, you know, I'm not sure if if uh, that'll swing. Um, we'll see. We'll see by the end. Paul's in the lead, but um. We did have a message from someone who want, who was picking up on what we were talking about last week, where the audio cut off. Yes. Which was um, the the we're talking about work. We're talking about um, how how God's glory and God's enjoyment and things like exist, even if people don't witness them so we were making the point there are galaxies out there in the universe that no eye has ever seen there are flowers that grow and die that Mm. no one ever sees Mm. and in what sense does that you know glorify god or Mm. or, yeah that's right uh we we actually talked a bit more about it than what the audio and the video had because it got cut off that's right yeah that's right and um and so this this person who messaging wants us to talk a bit more about it in terms of how it applies to work and the idea like when it, when it comes to secular work, mm. so non kind of gospel, you know, it's kind of weird because it's, you know, but non like vocational gospel work. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are two extremes. There's one extreme that says the only thing that's valuable mm-hmm. about secular work is the money that you get from it that you can then contribute towards gospel work or mm-hmm. people in need and the evangelistic conversations you have in the office mm. and the the extent to which you point those people towards Jesus that's the value of that work mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter whether you're an accountant or a nurse or a teacher or an astronaut or a bus driver mm-hmm. that's the kind of criteria by which you assess the value of that work you know how much you know then there's another extreme so that's one extreme the other extreme is i'd say no, every single bit of your work can glorify God um, because work, every single bit of work is a, an expression of living in light of who God made us to be as people who are creative, who, who are to have charge over the land and, and create order out of chaos, that whole kind of every good endeavor, Timothy Keller idea. You know, I remember after reading that book, I went into the office, uh, like finished reading on the train and I went into the office and I created folders for my Gmail thinking that that's honoring to God because it's more ordered, it's more, you know, structured, beautiful in a sense, mm-hmm. creating order out of chaos, which mm-hmm. was my email inbox at the time. <laughs> and I feel like that's another extreme. Mm. Of trying to find bits of beauty and order in every kind of facet of work. Um, mm-hmm. So that plus all the other stuff we've already talked about. Yeah. The gospel uh, t- 
for ch- you know, chats with people and the money that you give to gospel efforts, all those sorts of things. Mm. So, I guess let let's just let's just rave on on that for a bit. Sure. So, so do you think I've articulated those two extremes? Would you add anything? Um, like, do you think it's do you think it's right to kind of say there's two extremes, or like how would you get I, into it? I think what you're looking at there is there's a discussion about the value of work and there's a discussion about the kind of work which is pleasing to God. Mm. So I think those are two distinct, related, but distinct discussions. Um, We were actually um, doing some work earlier this year because we were going to do a sermon series on work, weren't we? Mm. So you did some reading for that Mm. and I did some reading for that as well. So... I was like getting pumped and ready to yeah, I do. talk yeah. about work yeah. as well. Yeah. And but I think that... Oh, sorry, you go. I was just going to say, one of the things that I read on this, which was formative for my view, was this paper that Andrew Heard wrote, and it's hosted on Moore College website. And, mm-hmm. I, and I did send it to the person that asked this question. But if you Google Andrew Heard work more, mm-hmm. it'll pop up as a PDF on mm-hmm. Google, and you can read that. But that was very formative. I mean, he's... Uh, Oh, I, like I'd love to be able to summarize it succinctly, um, but it was kind of pushing against that Tim Keller view of, and I think he also kind of pushed against some some things that John Stott had said about work. Mm-hmm. He did, yeah. And and he was kind of arguing from the New Testament passages the the core kind of function of secular work seems to be having being able to provide for those in need. And being able to support the work of the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at a few passages, actually. I mean, you know, we can't be comprehensive. Mm. Uh, I guess two passages that come to mind for me. Um, sorry, three passages that come to mind to me. First of all, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter um, 4. Um, so you could do sort of like a, a word search on the word work. Mm. Um, but that's that's tricky um, because the concept comes up in other places. So I think one thing that's really helpful for us to see is uh, Ephesians 4 verse 28. Uh, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And so this is actually a part of Ephesians when Paul is doing like, a, do not do this, do this, do mm. not do this, do this. And in this case, it's don't steal, but do something useful so that you may have something to share with those in need. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? So here, for Paul, work isn't just something valuable for yourself. It's also not just a matter of not sinning. It's actually a, a matter of love, specifically provision for those who are in need. So there is a utility to the work as well, isn't there? But there's also a keeping yourself from sin Mm, aspect to sure, it yeah. there's godliness and love which affects your individual relationship with god and your communal interactions with other people mm. yeah do you have any comment on, on that verse first yeah no i think I, I think what you're saying is is right um yeah no um no i, I look I, I don't have anything to add there that's fine. okay yeah uh, another one is Ephesians 6. So Ephesians 6, you've got um, children and parents, uh, slaves and masters. Interestingly, what he says to the slaves um, in 
Verse 6 is, with regard to masters, Obey them, not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever they do, whether they are slave or free. Mm. That's fascinating, isn't it? It says to the slaves, Obey your masters, respect and serve them as if you were serving Jesus himself. Mm. Which makes me reflect on um, yeah, the way in which we think about how we respond and respect our earthly masters, um, bosses, uh, employers. Do we actually see our work as if we're serving Christ himself? Mm. Now, you can take it to another level, which is that actually you know, every single thing you do in your work, it is exactly the same thing as gospel ministry work, mm. um, which is another discussion. Um, but... So I the, don't think that's what he's saying. Yeah. I mean, what something I would say about the two passages is, one, it seems to be talking to people who are, who are stealing, and the other is talking to slaves. Mm. Both of those, you know, for, for the average person listening, might not be able to resonate with, you know, a robber and a slave. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I mean, and slaves would live, live in the household of the of the master mm. and so it's like an instruction for the household thing mm. and that's a, I feel like that's a lot different to how we relate to our uh, you know boss mm. at work you know if we go into the city and we work in the office for nine hours eight hours whatever it is mm. um, I think so no I think you're right about that I guess what you what needs to be passed through is what's the um, what's the What's the value? Mm. What's the what's the godly principle that has been put forward here? Because yeah. yeah, he is actually he's talking to Christians in Ephesians four and Ephesians six, so presumably it's it's not like they're I mean probably not the specific people who were stealing. Verse twenty eight says anyone who in Ephesians four twenty eight anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. I don't think it's a directed rebuke. Mm. It's a general yeah thing here. Yeah. And it's interesting that it says doing like doing something useful. Mm. It's not specifying key kinds of work. It's just doing something useful so that you'll yeah. be able to help those in need, share with those in need. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Um, and I guess another one that no, we don't necessarily need to turn to it. Actually, you know what? Let's turn to it. What are we doing? We're the Bible boys. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah. Thessalonians. Two, two, two Thessalonians. Yes. Two Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, verse 10. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So actually, we're called to work, but also there's a sense in which if you're unwilling to work, not if you're unable to work, that's a different concept. Mm. But if you're unwilling to work, you should not um, be provided for. Mm. That's a very strong statement there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And actually, all of God's people are called to be working in some way. Yeah. Now, whether or not that's paid or not paid, that's not made clear. Yeah. But we, if you even just put these three things together, we work to live, we work to serve, called to work, we're caught, we work as we avoid sin, we work as we provide for others, we work as if we're serving Lord yeah. Jesus himself. Yeah. That's a really rich picture of work already, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one thing that's just come to mind just like looking at these verses is like the... the um, like, 
the difference between that the culture in which this is written, our culture, in terms of the types of jobs that are out there. Yeah, yeah. I think of somewhere, you know, in Jesus' time, where there's someone making bread, there's someone a steel worker, there's someone making clothes. Hmm. Like it's it's there's a lot of producing uh, products, materials, thing you know, raw things for people to have hmm. that have an, an immediate kind of direct benefit to their lives. Yeah. Whereas, like, in our economy, there are so many uh, service industry jobs mm. that are, you know, like, marketing, um, HR, mm. accountancy, um, you know, um, yeah, financial services, mm. um, you know, so many, so many kind of jobs where it's hard to connect. It's hard to see the value of what you're actually doing when you're in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I feel like a lot of our economy is jobs where it ha- like what you're doing has some kind of effect mm. on something, mm. but there's a few steps before it reaches the end user mm. and actually provides like value. And it's, hard to, it's, it's sometimes hard to draw the dots between what you're doing and what someone else out there in the world is actually benefiting from what you're doing. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 I guess that's where I, I remember hearing someone once say that, you know, not all jobs are, are thing. Well, sorry, not everything you can be paid for is something that maybe you'd want. Because we have something that people in the ancient world didn't have as well, which is freedom of job choice mm. for a lot of people the job that they had or the, the work that they were paid for was passed on from generation to generation mm. and so you get you know your um western last names you know like thatcher or weaver or baker or shoemaker mm. and it was just passed on from generation to generation the fact that we have job choice uh is both a wonderful privilege but also it gives us a duty to actually think carefully about the kind of work that we are going to do mm. So, a joke that a former minister here at St. Paul's used to say is, not all work is good. For example, being a hitman, mm. yeah, you can be paid for that. Probably not, don't mm. think about being a hitman, because that's not going to be good work that yeah. Yeah. helps people yeah. in a God-honoring manner. Well, I guess the question then is, like, do, do all jobs exist on a scale of value? And, yes. you know, up, what's at the top? Mm. Like, if we say, okay, being a hitman and things that are, you know, being a drug trafficker and things like that are at the lower end, obviously. Yeah. What are there? Are there jobs at the higher end of value yes. and are there jobs in the middle? And I think that, that what cuts through the conversation then is to say, don't worry about that. The only thing that matters is just do your job, get your money, maybe evangelize some people in the workplace. But I don't, I don't think that a passage like Ephesians 4 gives us that. Mm. It's doing something useful that you can share with those in need. It's not, I, I, I think that the, that, that mindset that says your work in and of itself, no matter what it is, do whatever, get mm. paid, that doesn't fit with Ephesians 4, mm. uh, let alone other passages. Yeah. So I think there is something there and there probably is some sort of a scale, but then I don't know how to yeah, work it's hard. that out. And I also think of like, you think of the church in Acts where they were meeting daily Yes. and they were selling what they had and they were sharing with those in need. And so you don't get the picture that these guys were going nine to five you know, and then come into church after they clock off at five. They're working 
as much as they can. Mm. But oh, actually, so I mean, they're they're working as much as is necessary. Mm. To facilitate them being able to give to others, but their primary thing was gathering with other Christians and living in Christian community and serving one another in love. Yeah, I don't know what their schedule would have looked like yeah. in the early church. That's a good question. You know, yes. was you know was was one hour like doing a? Did they you know? What well, if they had a window into the way we live life? A couple of hours of growth group. Maybe youth group serving, mm. you know, playing a church band, going to church for a couple of hours on Sunday. Mm. Would they look at that and be like, "Oh man, like, <laughs> you know"? But even, even that picture there, it's it's a very modern Western sort of picture as well. It's been interesting actually realizing more and more people moving to the four day work week, um, more flexible hours, that sort of thing. Like ah, oh, nine to five, five days a week sort of thing. It's I think that that mold is even changing as well. And times change. I think that, yeah, it's how do you take what God's word is saying, understanding it in its context, and applying it into ours. Mm. That's the tricky thing there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I do wonder about work, as in work choice. Like, how do you? Because hmm. I I feel like people have this this view that, I mean, we measure value by how much money society estimates you should get for that job. Yes. Right? But then there's like the social value, mm. right? But the oh, what you really want is something that has both. Mm. A lot of social value and a lot of like monetary, Yeah, you know. Yes. But, and I think that's like, that's those are the dream jobs. Yes. But, you know, yeah. Where, where does like, where does um kind of, gospel paid like church work into that where yeah. does yes you know yeah and then where does where does something like being a, an accountant or, or so or like a marketer mm. which has you know stereotypically low lower social value maybe mm. and higher monetary yeah you know yeah yeah that's those are good questions i think um one of the things that i really appreciated was a few years ago there was a minister who i was listening to and he said um he actually made this comment right after I had done some research myself on this, but in every given society, what actually raises the, the life expectancy um, and the overall health and survivability of a society is the plumbing and the garbage collection. Mm. So how like um, waste, waste disposal and also whether like you have clean water and you know, whether you can shower Mm. and also whether you can flush your toilets that sort of thing yeah. anyway so he's he made a, a brief comment which is to say so you know a lot of our work discourse um some of it's helpful some of it's unhelpful one of the things that's unhelpful is if you try to make every single industry um like it's got the same social value mm. um because it doesn't and actually a lot of people who want to be paid a huge amount of money um like if if you want to be paid a huge amount of money, acknowledge that. Mm. But if you actually want to change the world and make a positive impact, why not consider garbage collection or plumbing? Well, I mean, like just playing devil's advocate, the yeah. thing that comes to my mind is like the way we assign value as well is the like irreplaceability of you as the worker. That's true. That's and true. so it's like, you know, if I'm doing something that's technical and complex or I'm writing or I'm producing something creative that is my own and has a great benefit but no one else could really do it except yep. me, that seems to have a lot of value. Whereas yes. something like garbage collecting, 
which is, you know, more people, there's quite a few people who probably could do it if they wanted to go and do it. Yes. Seems to have, like, for that very reason. Yes. Seems to have go down in value. Yeah. But that's where we, we, as Christians, need to cut through that and actually say that the the value and the money that is assigned to particular roles does not actually match with the priorities of the kingdom of God. Mm. And even in our society, it doesn't. So why is it that teachers, for example, in, us, in, in Australia are paid, you know, the amount that teachers are paid here compared to, um, you know, some other jobs that are not as important as education, mm. but they do get a huge amount of money. Mm. But also think about, um, you know, childcare workers um, or even just being a stay-at-home parent. Mm. Thing is saying about home parent, we don't pay for that. Sure, but the value of it. That's right, the value of it. And that's irreplaceable. Yeah. You can't substitute another person in for that. I just think like a staunch capitalist would be like, oh, it's all supply and demand and that's why teachers are paid that much is because we know there are X X many people. Yeah, I get you. You know, but I think what you're saying is helpful is that we we can't just see things in terms of monetary value. And the way the world sees it as well. Yeah, Yeah. we've got to kind of have other lenses of value. Yeah, that's right. Um, so look, if you've got any follow-up questions on this topic, and I, I think there's a lot more to say on this topic. Mm. Um, Huge amounts. Yeah, feel free to email us or message us and we'll keep the conversation rolling. Because uh, hopefully this is a topic that is pertinent to a lot lot of people. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Can I say one more thing about it? Go for it. Yeah. Um, Christians care about the good, the true, and the beautiful. One thing that is really helpful to think about is in what to what extent is your work contributing to the good? the true, and the beautiful, whatever that may mean, wherever it may be. And it might even be a very small thing. It might be very hard for you to see it. But I think thinking about those is is better than going, oh, actually, what's the immediate value that it has to people? Because when you're working with spreadsheets all day and putting a one here and a yes here or a one here and a yes here, it can be very hard to see that. But I think, is your work good? Mm. Is it contributing to truth or is it creating falsehoods is it uh, is it beautiful is it creating what is beautiful is it creating what is ugly Uh, i think it's that third one that i'm yeah and this is where the flower thing comes in that's what i'm wishing well i think that that's where for example i would want to say that's that if christians care about the good the true and the beautiful there is a place for art there's a place for artists there's a place for production of media and entertainment Whereas just on a strict utility perspective, you may go, no, that's not, Mm. the beautiful doesn't matter. Mm. But I think that's where Christians can push against that because, and go, um, no, what, what is beautiful is still meaningful as well. Yeah. But I know that that's also something you struggle with. Yeah. That's something that I just mentally, I'm like, if there's no, like it's, that's so, like, it must be so subjective and the, even art, there is a utility to art. You know, good art is that which like provokes mm-hmm. a response mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and challenges ideas, and that's generally the art that you f- get you find in museums, right? Or document some or art that mm-hmm. documents something that's of historical value. Yeah. Um, well, what about the the YouTube creation uh, creator who just creates covers of music and then puts it on YouTube? Like, does that add a utility to the world in terms of a strict? Just, in terms of, like, en- like entertainment is the utility. Yeah. So, if you, like, the reason why, you know, Facebook and YouTube and those that make so much money is because whoever can attract the most eyeballs yeah. gets the most money in the advertising world. Yeah. And so, the utility is, it actually serves as a function to sell stuff. 
Mm. Um, yeah, I did watch The Social Dilemma, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah Netflix. Yeah. I thought you weren't going to watch it. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I did watch it. I, I, I learned some things. Yeah, I learned nice. some things. I learned, like, I mean, it was interesting that he said, unlike newspapers or, like, unlike, like, it's a, it's a dynamic thing and there are people sitting, like, who are smarter than you trying, you know, trying to, and they can send you, no, like, a newspaper can't send you a notification, like, bloop, yeah. phones can, yes. you know, and so they're called to, like, turn, I did turn a few of my notifications off after that, yeah. but um, yeah. I still think it's a very pessimistic view of social media, hmm. what it presents, Yeah. and I don't think there are, you know, had, have you seen it? I have not, actually. Oh, okay. I haven't yet. No, okay. no, but go for it, like, yeah, Basically, a lot of people talk to me about it. Like, like, it characterises social media companies it's got like three three kind of uh, three act um three characters kind of sitting behind a thing they're all like clones of each other and they're all kind of like pressing buttons trying to figure out how to get this one guy to keep to check his phone mm. and they're really kind of um you know you know cunning yes i don't like i don't necessarily think people in social media companies are sitting there trying to get you know target individuals and being like how can we get them to pick up their phone right now? Like, you know, it's not that creepy, I don't think. It's probably more of the effect on mm. what's happened, not yeah, a bunch yeah. of people who deliberately are thinking about making this happen. Yeah. Like, I think my observation about a lot of... And, you know, it could be true, everything that the documentary is saying, from what I've heard from people. But my sense is that a lot of the worst things that happen are mostly from imperfect people sort of falling into something and not examining carefully what they've produced. Mm. It, it's, yeah, like it's the unexamined um, monsters that we create yeah. rather than the carefully thought out and planned sinister schemes. Yeah, I like that, the unexamined monsters. It's so true. But I do think on the flip side, there's also a tendency to want to shift all responsibility onto these corporations. Yeah, you know, I agree. Um, we need to take responsibility for what we consume yeah, and what you need we to take personal responsibility for how you use your time. And yeah, even, right. you know, even if people are trying to program your brain, yeah. like you, you are still responsible for your own. Mm. Anyway, interesting, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, listeners, for listening into our conversation. Uh, this has been another episode of The Bible Boys premium content. That's right. Thank premium you for, content for everyone. For everyone. Thank you for subscribing with the premium content. Yeah. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Give us a Google review. Give us a Google. Not that we're I don't on know. Google. I don't know if we're no, on Google. No, we're not. Uh, share us. Share us with your friends and family so they can experience the might, the wonder, the magic, the unadulterated fun of The Bible Boys. See you next week. Bye.